0: this is show producer for ryan and rory thanks to the unpredictable nature of free agency after we were finished recording today's episode the nazim kadri tyson berry news broke and threw us all for a loop as such we're going to reconvene today or tomorrow once things settle down to release a special leafs avalanche mini-sode just for you but until then we hope you enjoy your regularly scheduled programming a day one free agency recap right here on tape to tape Everybody stay calm. What's the oh,
1: procedure, everyone? Calm. What's the procedure? Stay f-ing calm. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Everybody wait. calm down. Rory, right. we heard rumor of it. Whispers in the shadows. The offer sheets. They're coming. Oh, my God. It came. I can't believe it. It I came. I can't believe it. An offer sheet in the era of Twitter. So what do you get immediately? Trolling <laughs> on the part of the team that had the player who was offered the contract... A quick retort from the Carolina Hurricanes to the Montreal Canadiens. We don't know for sure as of this second, officially, while we record the Tape to Tape podcast at 5.09 on July 1, that the Canes will match the offer put forth to Sebastian Aho from the Canadiens. But I think we know. When the Carolina Hurricanes PR department is tweeting, will we match the offer, we Or yes, then I think we know the answer. We are going to dive into the offer sheet because, my God, it actually happened in the second block of this Tape to Tape podcast. We're also going to touch on all Canadian teams, talk about how the landscape may or may not have shifted here on July 1 and in the days leading up to it. But let's start with the big fish that in many cases we kind of knew where they were going, thanks to the footsie period leading up to it and all the great reporting out there. You can't negotiate contracts during that period, keep in mind. (laughs) A lot of things made official today. Matt Duchesne, maybe the biggest lock of all, to the Predators. Kind of a last-minute move, I would say, to some degree, with Panarin going to the Rangers. It really felt like it was going to be Islanders or Panthers, Rangers, Get back to their old Ranger ways. Sneak in there. The Panthers do land Bobrovsky. The Islanders retain Captain Anders Lee. I would say those are your biggest of the big on day one of NHL free agency 2019. Let's start with the Rangers.
0: I mean, obviously you've got to be in that winner's category. If you sign the biggest forward free agent out there, make uh, Artemi Panarin, the highest paid winger in the game, sign him to max seven year contract. And all that stuff. But I just think it adds to something interesting that's going on around the Rangers. It was just the trade deadline in 2018, last year. 18 months ago, basically. Yeah, where they sent a letter out to their fans said, get ready for this trade deadline. We're going to be selling off some stuff. We're going into a rebuild and and everything like that. And now you look at them, and and I'm going to assume that Jacob Truba signs a long-term extension with them when that gets done. So when he does that... He will be the fifth New York Rangers player, just the fifth, signed beyond two seasons from now. So for the next two seasons here, you have a bit of a window to figure out what you have, but even though you've just signed Panarin to this monster contract, three years from now, you have cap flexibility. You can decide to move on from guys like Chris Kreider or not. You can decide at the time if 39-year-old Henrik Lundqvist was worth keeping around for another year or two or whatever. You're not really married to this roster that you have. But what you do have is, in Lundqvist, an ace starting goaltender. In Truba, you have an ace top pair defenseman. And in Panarin, you have an ace score up front that you can build the rest of the lineup around. Those are three incredibly hard pieces to get. Now the Rangers have them. They've made six first round picks in the last three drafts. Vitaly Kravtsov's coming over next year. He's going to be a really interesting player, especially if he plays with Panarin. I'm interested to see where he ends up on that lineup. Philip Hedin, Lias Anderson. These guys are all going to be factors in training camp. If they can earn spots or not getting Adam Fox for basically nothing yep. from Carolina, because this is where he wanted to come. He's coming out of college where he's been a point of game player or better every season that he's been there. A Hobie Baker finalist, um I just love the the young roster the still the cat flexibility that's in the future for the New York Rangers I think even as soon as next season they could be a really, they could be a sleeper to make the playoffs out of that Metro division. Now, everybody in the Metro seems to be doing something to try and get better, but I think the Rangers are going to come in as a surprisingly quick, young, and, and really a fun to watch
1: team. Let's give a quick nod to the Devils, who uh, we talked about the Subban trade, but Subban coming in, Jack Hughes coming in, and now a, a fun one year deal with Wayne Simmons, a show me deal. That's going to be uh, another good move. For the New Jersey Devils, I think we could agree that in a vacuum, if you just look at the dollars and cents and the age of the player, that signing goalie Sergei Bobrovsky to a seven-year contract worth $10 million annually, that's probably not a great idea. But for yeah. a Florida Panthers team that's got to get better, that can't be selling hope anymore, yeah. you do it.
0: If you're sitting there saying, well, that's too much money in term to give to a guy in his 30s at the goaltending position, I would say... Well, what the heck was plan B then? Well, sure. Well, what were we going to hey, do? Hey, look
1: at the guy who just left. He was great at yeah. 35, 36, 37, yeah. 38. It wasn't until he was almost 40 that he finally broke down.
0: Yeah. The, the Panthers had the ninth best offense last year. The second best power play in the league. They're loaded up front. They've got all that skill. You've got Joel Quenville coming in. Look how much better Barry Trotz made the New York Islanders in one season. Yeah. Quenville is way further ahead with what he's got in Florida than what Trotz had. He's going to have an impact on that team. They also brought in Anton Strawman on July 1st, and he's a defensive specialist. There was That was another area they needed to improve on was bulk up that blue line a little bit. But in Bobrovsky, you have stabilized the goaltending position, which was the number one reason why Florida fell short of the playoffs last year. Second worst save percentage in the league. Had that even been league average goaltending, I think they really could have made a serious push for the playoffs a little bit better than league average. I think you're pretty much a lock to get in there. So adding a Vezina contender like Bobrovsky is just absolutely massive for that team. And also keep in mind the first five years of that have no trade protection. The last two do not. And they just picked Spencer Knight, goaltender out of the U S national team in the first round of the NHL draft the Bobrovsky signing is interesting because it lets you take your time with Knight. Yeah, don't rush him to the NHL. You never want to do that with goalies. But also, once he gets here, you can you can kind of slide him in easy. You know, you don't want to be leaning on your starting goalie for fifty five, sixty games anymore. So Knight can come in, spell Bobrovsky, probably be capable if his development stays on track and ease his way into becoming a starter. So that when Bobrovsky is ultimately traded or bought out or probably not bought it with that AV, but you know, his contract expires, whatever it is. Knight has some good NHL experience, a a good number of games that he can just slide in to be the number one. You you can be really slow taking your time there, but I think down the line, that could be a really, really good, uh, tandem of goalies. And for right now, the immediate payback that Bobrovsky is going to give the Florida Panthers is, uh, just massive. I think that, I think just looking at one contract. That's the one contract that will turn the fortunes of a team most drastically. So ultimately, we were right. We
1: can view essentially the transaction in Nashville as Subban out, Duchesne in. Yep. They actually save a million per year on the uh, on the AAV. Subban was nine, Matt Duchesne eight. I mean, I just think it's hard to take issue with that logic when you look at yep. what they have on the fence and the fact that they have to sign Yossi. Um, you know, another guy who could be signed by the end of this podcast, I suppose. Yeah. But he's up at the end of next year. He's making four now. I mean, he's going to be making almost double that. It just made sense to move out where you had from an area of strength and add where you needed help.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you would have liked to have gotten more back for Subban, but that's not what the market is bearing right now. But you had to move him. They ultimately had to make their choice there between Subban Roma, and Roman Yossi, and Yossi's been... Drafted and developed by the team. I think it was easy call. David Poyle has talked about Dante Fabro looks NHL ready, which helped make that trade palatable. I was wondering if bringing in Matt Duchesne, man, absolutely Kyle Turris is gone. Maybe it still does, but David Poyle was talking about how he needed and expected Turris to have a rebound season next year. So maybe you have three you're three deep in centers with Johansson, well, uh, Johansson, Duchesne, Duchesne and Torres. Duchesne like, can
1: slide out to wing as well. Absolutely. Yeah, G- G- Grantland's another guy who can play in the middle, play on the wing. So yep. we'll see.
0: Yep. Uh, I mean, I like how this has turned out for Nashville. I, I, I was expecting actually Duchesne to get like $10 million on an AAV or something like that. The fact that he was, you know, the best center UFA available out there, you knew Montreal was interested in him. If there was a bidding war or something for that vital position, that I thought, oh, Nashville's going to have to pay too much. Maybe tax implications weighed here. It's not too high there in Tennessee. He obviously loves Nashville. Sure. Building a house there, wanted to go there, so that was a factor too. But just that they were able to get him for $8 million and not more than that, not really overpay him to an extreme degree, uh, definitely puts Nashville in a a firm winner's category. So the Islanders, I
1: think because they were hard in on Panarin, I mean – Probably a little bit of a gut punch because I was thinking if they sign Panarin today, how does it shake out? Like, what's the net gain loss with the Islanders going back 12 months to you lose Tavares? yeah, But then you get Artemi Panarin coming off a year when you make the playoffs. I mean, yes, of course, you'd rather have John Tavares than Artemi Panarin. That said, it would have been quite a stabilizing factor for that franchise to say, hey, we just you know, boom. you we're not sunk here. Yep. Um, we're not going away, and we're a year closer to moving in our permanent home. It didn't happen, but once it didn't happen, you had to think there was a pretty good chance they were going to keep Captain Honors Lee. And again, he's not a Panarin, but that's I, I think that bodes well for this team that is Still trying to to build for the future.
0: Yeah, I mean, there were reports earlier in the day that uh Lee might end up signing for as much as nine million dollars somewhere. So he ends up back with the Islanders at seven million dollars. Who knows if he actually did take less or you know, if that was the game being played out there to knock up his price. But basically you were staring down the possibility of losing your captain to free agency two years in a row if if Lee left. So the fact that you can keep him is Good optics in that way. Yeah. It's not it's not the end of the world that they couldn't get Panarin. It stinks to watch him go to yeah. one of your biggest rivals down the road who is not as far along as you are. Still, the Rangers are the destination of choice there. You know, that could also be a factor of maybe the team isn't quite there yet. They're not in their new arena. Maybe getting there in a couple of years will factor into, you know, becoming more of a destination for UFAs, but it's unfortunate, uh, but if Panarin took less because he wanted to go somewhere else, you can't really fault the Islanders for that.
1: Things are fluid here. I, I'm i keeping one eye on Twitter, as is Rory. Yeah. Uh, Jake Gardner has not signed a contract nope. uh, that we know about anyways as not we're yet. talking here. Not but uh, as I said, we're going to do the RFA chatter in Ajo, uh in the second block. But um, yeah, I think, you know, as you noted... It, it, I always am fascinated by the dynamic of goalies and don't draft them high and don't spend too much money on them. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, who's going to change your fortunes more than the guy between the pipes. And you, you have to feel like, um, as you said, that could be the one signing that really, you know, elevates a team three months from now.
0: If Knight hits as an NHL goalie with this Bobrovsky signing, Florida may have solidified their goaltending position for 20 years. It's yeah, true. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: Well, the Canadians were trying to solidify their center position, at least for the next decade or so, when they extended the uh, much-speculated about, but still, uh, it had to be seen to be believed, I would say, the RFA offer sheet. Lo and behold, it did surface on day one of free agency. We're going to talk about that and a whole bunch of other stuff related to free agency on the Tape to Tape pod. Gate State Podcast is brought to you by the next generation GMC Sierra Denali, complete with the world's first six-function multi-protocol gate. Summer is on the way, which means softball, beer leagues, beach volleyball, and patio season. The Sierra Denali's gate comes with a built-in load stop to keep whatever you're traveling with
0: in place and turns into a step for easier access. Once you arrive, it can also become a work surface that includes a power outlet. So whether you're loading a tackle box, working on a project, or tailgating at the game, we've got you covered. GMC Sierra Denali, we are professional grade. It's not surprising on an offer sheet because the way it's written up five years is probably the term that uh, made the most sense for them. Um, So I wasn't surprised at that. Yeah, we've always talked about getting long term, but um, I know my summer just got better. Because I'm not going to spend all summer negotiating a contract now. So make a decision and move on.
1: I think the decision is made. You heard Carolina Hurricanes GM Don Waddell. He's ready to go to the beach. He's like, <laughs> thanks, man. Thanks for uh thanks for banging that out for me. This Aho contract could have hung over my head. As he acknowledged, probably in a perfect world, they wanted eight years. Uh, we're going to look real stupid if Ajo ends up the number one center of the Montreal Canadiens yeah, at this point. Yeah. But it's, all signs are sure pointing to within the week they have, if they want, Carolina. Take the whole thing. Take the whole thing. Well, they're also, Don Waddell was musing about trying to hose Mark Bergevin a little payback by not officially matching, theoretically, yeah. then throwing into flux what Bergevin can do. But um, yeah, so the, the offer sheet finally comes. Little limp in the end certainly wasn't the the shocker that we saw like where you know Philadelphia tried to take a bazooka and, and blow Nashville off the map with you know Shea Weber's twelve year offer back yeah. in in twenty twelve. But similar tactic, yes, using the might of we can pay a whole bunch of yeah. money at one time. The Canadians, I mean, let's let's go backwards. We were talking about it a bit before, but you kind of wonder if it's ever worth making an offer. Let's just use round numbers. It's essentially 10-5. Once you get north of 10-5, a little change in there. Yeah, It's four first-round picks. You question whether that's ever worth it to do the full, like, here's four. Yeah. I guess Montreal was looking at this saying, look, if all we have to give up is a, a first, second, and a third, and we can get this player at this number, if our tactic works, if this upfront money is going to do it, then great. If not, well you know, no big loss for
0: us. Yeah. I just, I don't know why they didn't go just a couple hundred thousand dollars more More. to bump up that compensation so that it's two first round picks a second. and They're,
1: they're essentially in tier three. They, if they went up a little more then they're in tier two, where you're giving up two first round. Exactly.
0: Because right now you're looking at it and the cap hit for Ajo is going to be 8.4 and change for five years, which is buying one year of his unrestricted free agency, just like Austin Matthews, very similar there. Um, the the leverage they tried to hold. So so Aho is going to be paid max signing bonuses. So within the next calendar year, he's got to be paid $21 million. And that's what I guess Montreal was trying to do, yes. right? Was load up the salary bo- uh, signing bonus and hope that Tom Dundon wasn't willing to pay that much money up front for the player. But he's said in the past, he loves this player. He wouldn't trade him and all this stuff. So he'll probably just match that. But then you also have to look at it from, is it worth it for Carolina to give him up and get the compensation package back. And that's where first, second, and third is, well, no, that's not enough for Sebastian now, who is a first-line center, very young, still getting better. If you bump that up to two first-round picks, I still don't think that's enough, but at least maybe is another factor to consider. First, second, and third, to me, on an 8.4 is easy match. You walk away. Carolina is big winners from this. You can take, and I would, take the full week so that Montreal basically can't do anything for the next seven days. Carolina knows exactly what their plan is going to do, how much cap space is tied up in a house, so they can go about their business as as if they ever would. And you walk out of this, and your RFA, who, given his position at center, was one of the two or three best RFAs in this super-loaded class— is now signed for five years at a very reasonable $8.4 million cap. You still got massive questions about what's Mitch Marner going to get? Is it going to be 10 million or more? What's Patrick Laine going to get? Is it going to be long-term or bridge deal? How much money is that going to be? All these players, who's sitting there as a center at $8.4 million. Great. Carolina can move on. Very reasonable, very manageable. And I don't know why they kept that compensation to the third tier level. Yeah, it's almost like Mark Bergevin heard that.
1: Carolina wanted to pay about 7-5. Aho said, I want 9-5. And he's like, can I pay, play right. uh, bridge maker here? Like, <laughs> yeah. let me bring you two together. Do you think five years is starting to become the new normal for these second contracts? Yeah, I wonder.
0: Because again, like you just buy one year of UFA, these guys hit the market. They're 25, 26 years old, 27 years old, right in the middle of their prime. And they can hit grand slams. And again, this summer too, because the players didn't, didn't push up the cap by as much as they could have right so it it didn't go as high as everybody expected expected 83 it's at 81.5 so right away free agents probably aren't going to make as much money this summer as otherwise would have and two years from now the american tv deal is going to be up that's going to probably come in at a higher level than before which is going to bump up the salary cap so again while this isn't a big market for ufas if you sign five years well, five years from now, that's three years into the American TV deal. The cap's probably way higher than it is right now. And you're in your prime. So yeah. you can take another huge cut and make even more money rather than locking in for eight years and looking back at your seven and saying, oh, well, I could be making, you know, not twice as much, but quite a bit more than this. So we see a uh, gentlemanly RFA
1: offer sheet here, if you will. Do you think there's any chance we still see the bully offer on anyone?
0: I just wonder how much this changes things. So like if, if Montreal, as we expect, gets matched on this, do they then go and turn to another RFA? Or is this just a Sebastian Ajo thing? If they did this to Ajo and he's a center, why wouldn't they do the same thing to Braden Point, sure. uh, Tampa Bay, who is up against it, up against the cap, maybe offer him a little bit more so that, you know, he's pushing Nikita Kucherov money. And that makes Tampa Bay think about it a little bit. Do you do the same thing to Matthew Kachuk in Calgary or Mitch Marner in 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 uh, Toronto, uh, Patrick Liney in Winnipeg. Again, there's that question of bridge or not, and they're up against the cap. Is this just a one-off for the Canadians or not? And then at the same time, does this embolden a team, now that an offer sheet has been put out there, to try one themselves? Does a team like Colorado, who didn't get Panarin, didn't get any of the big guys that maybe they could have, But seem to be on the cusp of trying to step into another contender bracket and want to take advantage of Nathan McKinnon's great contract while he's on it. Do they feel like they can maybe go out and make an offer sheet on one of these big RFAs? Would you give up? two or three or would you give a four first round picks if you're Colorado? Are they the team that would do something like that? So I just wonder if it changes the RFA market this summer. Now that an offer sheet has been thrown out there.
1: I mean, I have to say aside from getting trolled by the Carolina hurricanes PR department, there's really not a lot for the Canadians to lose here. No. And you still kind of have to like the tidy bit of business they did in Trading Andrew Shaw, who went in the lineup, was quite a good player for them, but he had trouble staying in the lineup. And they get some picks back, including a second-round pick from Chicago. They move Nicholas Delorier, a grinder, for a fourth. They have 12 picks in 2020 and all kinds of cap space. This is a team with young players coming up that they're going to have to pay eventually. But I think more than that, they have a lot of flexibility in terms of what they can do to go out and acquire a young player who is an RFA or just isn't in a great situation, yep. or that they can just go out and make a very strong offer on a player they feel like they need. Uh that they, they decided not to throw the house at Aho, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to do, you know, it maybe in a different context, something with all this cap capital, all this draft capital that they have.
0: Yeah. I mean, you you still have a very reasonable uh, and positive long-term outlook here for sure. the Canadians with the prospects that you mentioned. But I think you also have to keep in mind Shea Weber's 33, Kerry Price is 31. They're not going to suddenly drop off a cliff or anything, but there is going to be a period of time here in the future where their games do start to deteriorate sure. a little bit. And maybe it's already happened to Weber a little bit, um, Price not yet, but it's going to happen. And so you don't want to waste these years while you still have them, which is why I think maybe they felt... That they should go out and try something with an aho. Maybe, maybe that's why they'll try and do it with somebody else. You don't, you don't have to necessarily rush these things. You don't have to go out and pay. Joe Pavelski five years to come in here and try and force this issue. That's right. But if you want to invest in a twenty one year old RFA or something like that and make your future even brighter while at the same time really giving yourself a boost for right now when Weber and Price are still at the top of their games, I think that's something in the back of Bergerin's Bergevin's mind. You're still building towards something, but there's there's reasons right now to try and push this thing forward a little bit more aggressively.
1: Well, that is the story on the Canadians. When we come back, we'll touch on all all the remaining Canadian teams, including the Leafs and Senators, who hooked up on a pretty sizable trade, and we'll also take a look around the league and uh, talk about some of the winners on the first day of NHL free agency. Right here, on tape to tape. subscribing to multiple streaming services to get your sports fix introducing Sportsnet now live stream the nhl nba mlb indycar and much more all in one subscription you can stream on the go or at home on your big screen from the most popular devices including smartphones and tablets apple tv xbox and chromecast sign up for as long as you want and cancel whenever you'd like New package options available beginning at $19.99 a month. View snnow.ca for more details. Welcome back to Tape to Tape. All right, Rory, so we talked about the Habs in the last section. Let's talk about this big transaction for the Leafs. The Leafs have really found a dumping ground <laughs> for yeah, <really>. their contracts <laughs> in uh, their provincial neighbor. But yeah, it's uh, it's kind of, kind of funny what's gone on here with, I saw someone tweet, sorry, I apologize. I don't remember who it was. Uh, Might've been James Sabolsky who had uh, Senator's release a third Jersey for 1920. And it was a Leafs Jersey <laughs> because we've James. got, yeah, <laughs> Ron Hainsey going there. Tyler Ennis going there. Connor Brown going there. Nikita Zaitsev going there. Some of those are, of course...
0: DJ um, Smith is their coach. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, some of those free agent signings, but some of uh, the trade that sends Zaitsev and Connor Brown uh, to Ottawa. Coming back the other way. Cody Ceci, a right shot defenseman, and a third round pick that originally belonged to Columbus.
0: Unpack all that Leafs send stuff for me. Well... Question remains, who the heck are going to be the defensemen playing on the right side of this blue line next year? At least with CC, there's one guy who's capable of yeah. doing that. I think what needs to happen, though, is where he was used you know, roughly 22 minutes a night on the top pair for the Ottawa Senators soften his minutes, put him in more favorable positions. He's, he's a bit of a liability defensively still got some upside as an offensive guy though. And he is a right shot. So there is some value. My my takeaway from this is Toronto, I think is a bit of a winner here because a, what the heck were you expecting to get back from a Nikita Zaitsev trade anyways, nothing. You sure. just wanted his cap space, right? Um, but what you end up getting, even though you have to give up Connor Brown, which not ideal, but whatever it's if he's a fourth line player, Uh, In CC, you're getting somebody who actually can play NHL minutes for you in probably a third pair role, whatever. If he's second pair, that's fine. He's a right shot defenseman, something you need. He's an RFA. There was a report that he had verbally agreed to a a one-year, four-and-a-half million-dollar contract, which is exactly the money that Zaitsev is is making. Brian Burke suggested that they were maybe negotiating a four-year deal. If that happens, um, my take here is void because that, that's where this gets bad if he if he gets locked into for a long-term deal here. The bonus here for the Leafs is that if you sign CC for just one year, you can see what he's got, and if he's the CC that we expect him to be, you got $4.5 million of cap space next year because you can walk away from him as a UFA, and that's all you wanted from Zaitsev in the first place. And then maybe next summer you can go into the market and be one of these teams that we've seen this summer trading – know, a second and a third or a fourth and a fifth for a very capable NHL defenseman whose former team couldn't afford them anymore because they were capped out. You'll just maybe be in the market for something like that next year for the, for the meantime, again, you have to have somebody, you have to have some NHL caliber player able to be a right shot defenseman on that blue line. CC fills that hole for now, not the greatest. You couldn't expect the greatest from Zaitsev anyway but it opens up more cap flexibility where you're not married to Zaitsev for the next five years anymore. You can have some more money to play with a summer from now if you want to for Toronto. I guess probably the biggest splash by any other Canadian team has to be Vancouver
1: signing Tyler Myers to a five-year deal worth $6 million annually. They also add Jamie... Or sorry, of course I was going to do that. Jordy Ben, not <laughs> his brother Jamie Ben, a BC boy who's going there to be a third pair guy, but clearly Vancouver targeted some size and in the back end.
0: Yeah, I mean, when we initially heard this might be eight years and eight million dollars, sure. that would have been terrible. And people were jumping nobody in into the Pacific, that. yeah. Um, five years, six million dollar AAV, I think is completely reasonable. Um, you know, part of the reason they didn't get Alex Edler signed for longer term is because he wanted the no move protection so that Seattle couldn't pick him up. Uh, As of right now, I haven't seen any details about any trade, uh, no trade protection for Tyler Myers. Cat Friendly has nothing listed yet. So maybe there's a possibility that if they want, he's someone that they could leave open to Seattle um, when that team comes around for their expansion draft. At the the very least, though, uh, look, you're still building here. You don't want to throw Quinn Hughes into 24 minutes in the NHL right away. You want guys who know the game, are capable enough. I mean, Myers isn't the best, but he's a second pair guy, I would say. At worst, he's a third pair. I think he'd be a pretty good third pair defenseman, actually. For $6 million, very manageable. Again, that cap is probably going to go up in two years. It'll look much better by that point. But this is kind of the contract, I think, Vancouver wanted to give Edler the term anyway, wanted to give Edler so that you had a rock, a veteran who could play 20 minutes or more while the guys around him kind of got used to the NHL. It couldn't do that with Edler. So now you have Myers that you can do that with. And and that's totally fine. It's not $8 million, nothing wrong with $6 million for a top four guy, which is what Myers is. I, I I was ready to call Vancouver losers heading into this all this week. And the way it turns out, I, I think it's a reasonable pickup for the team.
1: So the story in Alberta is that basically they swapped goalies. Cam Talbot was traded to Philly uh, last year out of Edmonton, but uh, spent the past few seasons in Edmonton, had one really strong year coming there over from the Rangers. Now, basically both Calgary and Edmonton are uh, hoping for uh, bounce backs from from the guys that they just signed. So Talbot's going to Calgary. Mike Smith, who had largely uh, a a very good run in Calgary over two years, uh, but is 37 and hard to place that much faith in, is going to Edmonton both on one-year deals. I guess you're just kind of saying, let's see what you got.
0: Yeah, I think the good thing, if you're looking at this from Edmonton's perspective, is the one-year signing for 37-year-old Mike Smith indicates that they're not feeling the pressure to really rush and force this thing into the playoffs like we have to get into the playoffs oh my god what are we going to do we need to throw this money around when we don't have any cap space to begin with With mike smith like you you kind of already have to deal with his miko Kosian in contract which is terrible in mike smith you have a guy who you know can very well get very hot for a month or a month and a half and maybe that's enough to get you into the playoffs maybe it's enough to win you around if you get to the playoffs depending on when he does get hot Um, to rely on him to be your no doubt number one starter for 55 games is probably going to be a stretch. You're just hoping that the combination of Smith and Koskinen can be hot enough for long enough to keep you in the playoffs. And if it doesn't work, you can walk away from Mike Smith next year and try and find your goalie. I think that's better than going out and giving... Robin Lehner, five years and too much money. You know, you can reassess your goaltending position a year from now. You can maybe try and address it on the trade block, whatever. But I think the good thing to take away from this is Edmonton seems still okay to take their time and wait for the right goalie to come to them. So I'm glad you brought up Robin Leonard. Breaking news here on oh, the Tape to Tape podcast as we, we
1: scroll through Twitter. Chicago Blackhawks, Elliot Friedman, wow. is reporting that Chicago is signing Robin Leonard. Do not have term or dollars right now, uh, but what we do know is Corey Crawford is entering final year of a contract, and we know he's had a heck of a time staying in the lineup. Uh, yep. Did come back at the end of last year and and looked quite
0: good, yep. Um. but clearly the Blackhawks want some insurance there. I mean, we've said it we've said it once, we've said it a million times, right? Tandems, you have to go to a tandem in the NHL. Um, who knows what this means for Corey Crawford once his contract expires, but I think, you know, Vesna Trophy finalist Robin Lehner and steady Eddie Corey Crawford, you can count on him to be pretty good whenever he's out there. I think that's a really good tandem for Chicago to move forward with. I want to see what happens the rest of this summer, and it's going to be interesting when we do our preseason picks a couple months from now, but I'm already thinking... And now this one solidifies it. Chicago might be a sneaky team next year. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I like,
1: I really like Mata and DeHaan on the Absolutely. Shaw, when he's been in the lineup for the Canadians, I mean, he's a, he can be a 20 goal
0: guy and they need some help on the flank. Chicago is one of these teams like the Leafs who had no cap space forever. And then they fell into it this year and in Mata, and especially Dehan, you got them for almost nothing. And now your blue line is more or less fixed yeah. from where it was. And you add Leander into this to be another goalie back there. Tays and Kane just had great seasons. Uh, DeBrincat's coming on. I, uh, I mean, I think it's I an, think they're it's a team suddenly to a keep very an eye on.
1: very interesting team. All right, let's flip back to the final Canadian team that we haven't really talked about a bunch. I mean, it hasn't been a great summer so far for Winnipeg, you'd have to say. I mean, we kind of wondered if the Trouba thing was was going to happen and yeah. sure enough it, it came to fruition. Uh we'll see here we've mentioned Line A as an RFA. Now Tyler Myers leaves the defense. I mean, it's a deep team, but how do you see things playing out here in the next little bit for the Jets?
0: I mean, they got to walk away from July 1 as losers because they didn't do anything. They officially lost Tyler Myers to free agency. Um and the fact that an offer sheet was used on a player today, you got to wonder if now their two big RFAs, Patrick Liney and Kyle Connor, kind of get into the crosshairs of, of offer sheets. If it doesn't work for Montreal, maybe they go out. Maybe one of these other teams do. But Winnipeg has, it looks like they have a lot of cap space, $22.8 million. But again, if this if an offer sheet comes their way and it's ordered the same way as Aho, where there's a ton of signing bonuses a part of it, Winnipeg is not one of those teams that traditionally gives out signing bonuses. So they would have to grapple with that They would have to grapple with the compensation and everything. And if they're not willing to um, go max term with Patrick Line, and another team comes in and offers that, although it's tough to do on an offer sheet because everything is rounded into a five year when you're coming into uh, when you're trying to figure out compensation, it could happen. And then you wonder how important is avoiding. Uh, signing bonuses really to the Winnipeg Jets. So it just puts into play. Maybe everything gets a little tighter for them now that an offer sheet has actually been thrown out there. A lot of issues still on the back end. I mean, Tucker Poolman and Dustin Bufflin are the only defensemen back there signed for more than one season. Neil Pionk's in RFA. Josh Morrissey's going to be in RFA next summer. There's still a lot of money to figure out here for the Winnipeg Jets. And the fact that they come out of July 1 and haven't, haven't done anything yet um, it's they're definitely losers, and you got to worry about what's coming next for the team. So, it, just an update:
1: all kinds of credible people reporting it's one year, five million for Leonard. So. Wow. Hmm. Uh, you know, obviously a higher number than you expected, but not the term you assumed he was after. It, it
0: doesn't guarantee that Crawford's done. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that will definitely be works. an
1: interesting situation. All right. Let's get to a few more winners. I mean, we talked about the Rangers signing Panarin. Uh, we we do, you know, like I said, if you just want to look at the the pure dollars and cents of it and not the context, you can take issue with the Bobrovsky contract. But uh, I really think that's a move Florida
0: yeah. has to make. Some other winners out there. I, I really like what the Dallas Stars did. Um, if you look at this team last year, they were one of the better defensive teams in the league. Middle of the pack in shots against, but in high danger shots against a top 10 team, according to natural stat trick. That was part of the reason why Ben Bishop was a Vesna trophy finalist. Right. Um, they just didn't have depth scoring. They could load up their first line with Radulov, Sagan, and Ben, and that was great and everything, but then you saw stretches of inconsistency when that line wouldn't score. They looked great one night, and then they looked like a lottery team the next, so they had to break those three up, and it didn't quite work out as well as maybe you would hope. Then you bring in Matt Zuccarello at the trade deadline. He gets a couple points in his first game, also breaks his arm, so he's out for most of the rest of the regular season, but when he comes back, Now you've got two scoring lines and they almost got to the Western conference final with that formula. Zuccarello ended up being too much term, too much money going for five years to the Minnesota wild, but in comes Joe Pavelski three years. He's not a 35 plus contract. So you can get out from under it if you really want to. And he's a better player. Like he's close to a lock for, if not a lock for 30 goals and 60 points minimum, you add that to your second line. That's an upgrade over Zuccarello. Corey Perry for one year, $1.5 million with bonuses that can go up to just north of $3 million. And if he hits them, he's been absolutely worth it. It's been four years since he scored 20 goals. So I think, at best, best case scenario, He's in your top six and he scores 20. Worst case scenario, he's in your bottom six and he's a pain in the butt for everybody that you play against. And then Andre Sekara, too, bought out by the Edmonton Oilers. Again, one year, one and a half million dollars. Dealt with a ton of injuries over the last couple of years, but finished the year strong in Edmonton. Had a great showing at the World Championship. All, all eyes seem to be pointing up for this guy right now. And it just helps fill out your depth on the back end. So you've got more depth up front. You got more depth on your blue line than you had last year return with everything else. That's pretty much the same. I see Dallas as a vastly improved team coming out of free agency and they didn't, they didn't invest too much money yeah. or term in anything. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I have to believe there would have been 12 teams in the league who would have wanted Sekura for 1.5. Yeah.
0: Know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Any team that basically needs any kind of depth on defense, he's worth a shot. Like, he's probably not as good as Andre Markov, but is there a chance that he could have a same post injury, late career resurgence that Markov did? I mean, it's sure. entirely possible for the guy. So the goalie carousel keeps spinning here in real time. Uh,
1: Carolina is bringing back Mrazek and it now appears Semyon Varlarmov is set to play the next four years with the Islanders. Oh, wow. To, okay. to team up next year with Grice and We'll see. Yep. So, I mean, I think in a perfect world, well in a perfect world, they might've wanted Bobrovsky as well. Um, yeah. when Leonard went to Chicago, this was, a, I, ha, I mean, we get so caught up in the year to year with people, how they did last year, instead of sometimes looking at the body of work and with Varlarmov, I mean, there's a lot of good work from this guy in the past little while, I think enough to make a reasonable
0: bet on. He's been good in the past. He was very inconsistent, not so great last year, recently for Colorado, Um, but again, like Robin Lehner was left unqualified by the Buffalo Sabres last summer and the Islanders took a chance on him. I think the fact that the defense was so much better this year under Barry Trotz was a huge contributing factor for Lehner having a resurgence. So could Varlamov have the same thing? Uh, Absolutely. Why not? I mean, it might just be a system is set up for these goalies to perform well, and he's got a great pedigree, great track record in the NHL of performing. So it's a bit of a risk on, on four years, but I think the team in front of him has shown that they can make goalies better. It's a, it's a fun day. July one, isn't it? It is uh, a busy fun it's day. Very, very busy, especially this year. Right at noon, you kind of knew what was going to happen, and it happened very, very quickly. Yeah, it comes pretty fast and furious. We could sit here refreshing
1: Twitter probably forever, (laughs) uh, but we got to get out of the studio at some point. We will be back next week when, you know, I would say all the dust, most of the dust anyways, is really settled by then. Yep. Um, but it was great getting in here. It's always fun to yak about the big moves uh, that we see right out of the gate. And you're right, you know, we we kind of know uh now on uh the, the night before, you kind of see the reports coming out of X ex- everything uh preceded with expect, right? Yes. Expect <laughs> Matt Duchesne to sign a, a seven year deal with the uh with the Nashville Predators. But yeah, it uh, it's always a fun and, and a little crazy day. For the NHL and and for everyone who is a fan of the game. If you are, in fact, a fan of the game, which you must be if you're listening to this pod, you know you can find it at sportsnet.ca. Subscribe in iTunes. Check out Rory on Twitter, at Rory Boylan. Myself, at Dixon on Sports. And check back next week for more glass rattling hockey action on Tape to Tape.